Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to Inside the Studio, presented by iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Joe Levy. So my guest this time out is Luke Combs, who has just released a deluxe edition of his second album, What You See Is What You Get. And the deluxe edition adds five new songs to the one new song, Six Feet Apart a song about the pandemic that Luke added to the album in May. So all in all, that's an impressive one hour and 21 minutes of foot-stomping songs about beer, good times, and broken hearts, as well as slow ones about family, memories, and the kind of love that could make a man stop stomping his feet and settle down. I caught up with Luke on a day in September that was special in two kinds of ways. First, he'd been up early that morning to help announce the CMA nominations on Good Morning America, and in fact, he snagged six nominations himself, including Album of the Year and Entertainer of the Year. But second, Luke was uh, celebrating his one-month anniversary, and it takes a special kind of lady to appreciate a man who writes songs comparing their bond to the match made up in heaven between good old boys and beer, the way Luke does in Better Together. But Luke, Luke Holmes has found her. And in August, he married Nicole Hawking, his girlfriend since 2016. Although, 
as he told me, they didn't know exactly where they were getting married until the last minute. We had to change our venue a week before the wedding, Mm. um, which was very interesting. And we actually didn't know. We had two different venues, and we didn't decide until the morning of the wedding. Which and, and, and what what brought at. the change on? What was the reason for the change? Well, so we ended up getting we were going to get married in Key West, and the city imposed harsher COVID regulations the week before the wedding, and so we were going to invite. It was going to be about one hundred and seventy five people at the wedding mm. and they they wouldn't allow any gatherings over 50. So we had to cut from 175 to 50 the, like the week before the wedding, find a new venue, find a new hotels, get everyone that we still needed to be there, there. And then when we got there, there was a hurricane coming <laughs> to oh, the snap. area, which up until the night before, so I guess it was Friday evening it was like 50 50 chance like this hurricane's either gonna come over the right exactly where we're at or it's gonna veer off and, and, and so it was crazy. and i'm trying to think what the right joke is for a guy who right. has a hit song right. called hurricane i thought to about be that a lot of times <laughs> i actually thought about that a lot of times during during that process but so it was we had to make the it was either going to be get married at this outside place or get married in the a conference room at a hotel, which would have been terrible. So luckily it missed us and we didn't have to do that. About that hurricane, not Hurricane Isaias, which caused significant damage when it did hit the U.S. in August, but the Luke Combs song about a breakup. Released independently on Luke's third EP in 2015, it did so well it, it helped lead to his signing by Columbia Nashville which re-released the song in 2016, at which point it became the first of Luke's nine number one country singles. You know, like a lot of rappers these days, early on in his career, Luke tapped the power of social media to build up a significant following as an independent artist before he ever signed to a major label. And and while that might be a common story in hip-hop, it's a little bit more unusual in Nashville. And Luke Combs is 30 now, which makes him a solid citizen of Gen Y. So when he was starting out in his early 20s, it was natural for him to use Vine, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter to get his music out and connect with people. In fact, he's such a solid citizen of Gen Y that when I interviewed his managers, Chris Cappy and Lynn Oliver Klein for Billboard last year, Cappy told me a story about how when he first met Luke five years ago in 2015, he had to convince Luke to use Facebook because Luke thought of Facebook as not, you know, cool. But anyway, Cappy started a Facebook group for Luke's fans. It's called the Bootleggers, and things pretty much exploded from there. So when What You See Is What You Get came out last November, it debuted at number one, and it set a record for the biggest streaming first week for a country album ever. 74 million on-demand audio streams, which is on top of the 2.7 billion, sorry, let me say that again, 2.7 billion on-demand streams that Luke had racked up since he started releasing music in 2014. 
Okay, so Luke Combs is a country superstar with a record-setting digital approach that's a little bit futuristic for Nashville. But his music itself is a throwback. His songs are built around solid narratives and super sharp wordplay. These are old school values, and, and his songs are packed with details. There's the guy in a, a song called When It Rains, It Pours. It's from his first album, This One's For You. And, and, and the, the, the guy singing goes from a fight with his girlfriend to a three-week run of good luck that starts with him pulling into a shell on I-65. There are those details. And winning 100 bucks in a scratch-off ticket which rhymes with bought two 12-packs and a tank of gas with it. Or on What You See Is What You Get, there's a song called Every Little Bit Helps, which packs a lot of detail into just its first line. This futon I crashed on in college, well, it ain't our bed, but at least it don't smell like you. And right there in 20 words, you get the breakup, the guy moving out, He's moving backwards to the futon he slept on in college, but he's trying to take a step forward. You also get some sadness, some anger, some loss, some heartbreak. And, and when I just said it out loud, I noticed the internal rhyme of futon and crashed on, which filled me with a new level of respect for the craft of songwriting here. But in addition to being well-written, most of the songs on What You See Is What You Get are, are pretty hard-rocking. And it's long been true that if you are one of the people sitting around wondering if rock is dead, you are not spending much time listening to country or going to see it live because country has been the new arena rock for more than a minute now. But, but what you see is what you get is some very big league Southern rock. Again, old school. Before the pandemic forced him to postpone his tour, Luke was scheduled to headline arenas this year. And the dates included some stadium shows. As Luke and his co-writer Jonathan Singleton and his producer Chip Matthews explained to me, they wrote songs like uh, Beer Never Broke My Heart because they needed some music big enough to fill those spaces. Luke talked with me about the cabin he rents where he'll spend two weeks at a time writing songs and drinking beers. And it helps that there's a TV, but there's no Xbox. And he, he also talked about how he was overseas in March. He was scheduled to play the Country to Country Festival, which brings country music to the UK and to Berlin. And, and he was out during a night of celebration, having a good time when he got a call saying he had to get himself on a plane the very next morning because the United States had issued a travel alert due to COVID-19. Luke talked about his early days when he was spending six months straight on the road in nothing but a van with his manager, Cappy, driving. And he also talked about his hopes for the future. Here's what else he had to say. Luke Combs, welcome to Inside the Studio. Uh, you, you have some guests with you. Would you, would you mind introducing them? Yes, yes. Uh, I have uh, Chip here and Jonathan uh, my producers here, very handsome. Jonathan's making a white trash spit cup right sorry, now out of sorry, a light can. Sorry. Boys, why don't you, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourselves here, gentlemen? Let's let's do that. Hey, I'm Jonathan Singleton, and uh, been a songwriter and a and a guitar player and a and a uh, barbecue cooker for a long time. I was kidding about the barbecue cooker thing, and uh, been friends with Luke for a long time. We've done a lot of songwriting together, done a lot of playing together, and. 
was excited to jump in here and, and do some do some production stuff with Chip Matthews. I'm Chip Matthews, and uh, I have been around Nashville for a long, long time, working in the trenches, engineering, producing. And uh, I met Luke a few years back through Cappy, I believe, and mm-hmm. some Sony stuff, and we got the opportunity to work together a few times. And then I was lucky enough for him to invite me to work with him and Jonathan on this record. So that's where we are today. So, uh, Luke, I know you've talked a little bit uh, on, on live streams about what quarantine has been like for you. You, you. you have gotten to enjoy a little bit of time off the road, play some Call of Duty. Yes. Do a little turkey hunting at your place. Also, I, I believe you've been raising some chickens. Yes, that has been the, the bulk of my activity over the last six months or so. Turkey hunting only for a couple months, obviously. But yeah, a lot some Call of Duty. I appreciate you saying that and not a an ass load of Call of Duty, which is probably more realistic. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, I, yeah, so I mean, I've just been hanging out. You know, I, I just got married a month ago today, which was great. And so I've just been spending time with you know, my wife, which is still weird saying that. Still, still not used to saying that yet. But yeah, it's been really a really weirdly good, strangely great year in a lot of ways. And you know, it's kind of sucked ass in a lot of ways too. I guess you know. You've also been doing some writing and recording during the pandemic, and yes. uh, of course, you you've we've heard six feet apart. And I know the story behind that is you had a, a songwriting session scheduled in April. You didn't want to let it go. And, and tell me, how did the idea of, of writing about what was actually going on right then first come up? And then how was writing and recording that song different than usual? Well, so I had a write scheduled with Brent Cobb and Rob Snyder. And I hadn't written with Brent before. And mm. so I was really want to do that because I'm a really big fan of his and, and think he's really great at what he does. And so Brent lives in Georgia, and so he was doing it over FaceTime or something. So we all did, and we did like a Zoom. I texted them the night before, and I was like, hey, should we just write, you know, a song about this stuff or whatever? And they actually sent me that title and they were like we were actually talking about this before Mm. you texted us so we were all kind of on this just happened to be on the same page with it and we wrote it the next morning it was probably like hour and a half maybe or something and we were like done with it because it was just kind of like it just kind of fell out because it was just everything that was because the quarantine was like super new and weird Mm -hmm. at that time and like things were very uncertain, but now realizing that they were less uncertain, I guess, than they are now even probably. But at that time, that was like really weird, you know, because we and we kind of all like, oh, it'll be over in, you know, May or whatever. That's kind of what we were all thinking. Oh, like, yeah. The, it'll the, be the, done. Those, those happy days when we thought this would ever end. Yes. It was like, oh, this will be done in six weeks. It'll be, you know, we'll be good. Summer will come in and we'll be good and everything. And. And so then I, you know, I, I hit up Chip here and I was like, man, like, let's just go. And because I put the song, I played the song, I think the next night on Instagram or something, something like that. And, and got a really solid response out of it. And so I was like, man, we should just record this thing. And, you know, nothing else going on. Yeah, because there was a recording moratorium from Sony. Um, we weren't supposed to be doing anything. Mm-hmm. And so I had to kind of go through 
and express to A&R what you wanted to do. And then I had to find a studio that was willing to let us in. Which was, that was like really strict at that time. Yeah, it was. Very insanely strict. And um, I think it was really, honestly, that I had been working with those guys and been with them in person. And I was like, hey, can I get in to do this thing? And when we first started talking about it, it was small. And they were like, sure. And then when we showed up that day, the owner came down and he's like, this is a lot more than I thought you were bringing in. <laughs> how, like, how, many, how many folks were you bringing in? Well, you know, we still cut lean. We, we cut with, um, I think we cut four piece. Yeah. Mm. It was um, light. And then I only had, it was me, you, you were there. Massey was there. Yeah, second engineer. We had a very lean crew. And we were never in the same room with the the musicians. We never even entered the same room as them either. No, we had, we had a set, we we, we got a a separate space for Luke that was not even part of the main studio. Right. And then um, we had to submit protocols to the label and to the studio. And then really kind of had to go on the down low because I think people were still kind of coming to terms with right. that, w- that we shouldn't be doing that. And, yeah. you know, all it took was somebody getting infected in that window. Right. We would have been we would have screwed shut down. on that for sure. So it was really getting in fast. And then we got the song and overdubbed it. And one by one, guys just peeled off and left and never even came in the control room. They just came into their booth, yep. recorded, and then left. And kind of waved on the way out. Yeah. And that was it. So that was really weird. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we tried to keep it simple so that we could get what we needed and move on. And then um, and then I guess you sang right then. Yeah. We got the final. We we kind of just put a mic in that room right there. Yeah. Where all the musician guys were and just cut, like, three passes and that was it. Yeah. And we were out of there. It was and really then, quick. And, and, it was, like, what, three hours, four hours? Yeah, maybe? about four hours probably. And then... And it was mastered two days later. Yeah, it was mastered later. two days later, yeah. I, I mean, the results are great, and, and it, it is such a, a, a moving song, especially, you know, from, from my perspective, because I care so much about music, that, that the whole part about, you know, it's a mystery how long this thing goes, but there'll be crowds and there'll be shows, which is something we're all looking forward to, and we're, yeah. we're still in that mystery moment. So there are... Six new tracks on this deluxe version of the record, yeah. and uh, uh, six feet apart, newly written, newly recorded. I know some of these other songs have been around for a little while. Um, or were any of them uh, newly written, written under these quarantine times? These were some that we've been holding on to for a while. Uh, some of them were probably around. I know two of them were around when I recorded this album that's out now. Mm-hmm. And so one yeah. of them was the other guy. the other guy that's been around for long time three years probably two three mm-hmm. years I know I've seen a yeah. uh, I've seen a version of it floating around with your co-writer on uh, uh, YouTube I think uh, yeah Job yeah I yeah. know uh, Rob maybe me and Rob Brandon <laughs> Kenny Rose wrote on that with me Brandon Kenny yeah yeah you're right Brandon yeah. Kenny and and Wilford Wilford yep I had some a buddy of mine that was going to cut it so you may have seen him do it he ended up not that's doing right. it so yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that one and Cold As You are both breakup songs. Uh, and uh, the other guy is, uh, we're saying, a couple of years old. How about Cold As You? Uh, when, when was that written and recorded? That January. Was that Key West thing? Was it January? Yeah, it was right before. Yeah, so right after kind of, I did a two-week kind of like writing retreat deal down in, down in Florida. 
mm. and uh, wrote that with Jonathan, Randy, and Shane Miner. Shane Miner. The, you and Shane started that, right? Yeah, Shane had the Shane had the idea. I think yeah, and so we kind of worked sussed on it a little bit, and then we had Randy on that riding trip. So we were like, yeah. hey, let's yeah, let's just let's do that. Mess on this thing, and it, it seemed pretty, to fall out pretty. Yeah, that was a quick one, if I remember. Yeah, we wrote a bunch of those couple days. Yeah, because Nicole was somewhere else. I know she was down there for the trip, but when y'all were there, she like went and visited her parents. That's what it was. Yeah. So we just kind of wrote. We wrote the whole time. Just the whole time, pretty much. Yeah, that was a great trip. And 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 so it 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 sounds like songwriting is just a a continual process for you guys. I mean, in in that case, you were you were on a, a retreat of some sort, but I know. Jonathan, you worked with 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 Luke on "Beer Never Broke My Heart," and I think that was was that written while you were, you were on tour. Yeah, that was one of Luke's early tours. What tour? Yeah. That was a club tour. That you was were doing my in between. That was the "Don't Tempt Me with a Good Time" tour, I think. And I think we were in Missouri, Missouri, Columbia, Missouri. I think is where we were on the bus. Yeah, because we started that thing. I had that idea. We started working on it, and then I'm talking, like, I came in from, like, we started it, maybe got a verse idea going, line of the chorus. I come back to the bus, and these guys are drinking beers, (laughs) and they're not, like, writing, and I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, dude, here's the demo of this thing. We did have a demo. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay, well, sweet, then, you know, so... They just kind of, you know, they just kind of took the reins on that one, and I just kind of got lucky and yeah. And, and Randy was on that song too. Yeah, it was me, us, you and Randy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the same. We, you know, and Luke at that point too on "Beer Never Broke My Heart." I remember because he was playing. That was probably a five, six, seven hundred seat club that night. Yeah, probably. Mm. And Luke was saying, you know, I need, to, I need, I'm going to play, I'm going to be playing, you know, stadiums next year, and I need something that'll rock like this. And we were kind of laughing at him when his back turned, you know, and then. <laughs> And then come to find out, he was telling the truth. But we went, he was—he had the foresight to know he needed a song like that, you know. And and cold as you is in the same vein. The it same still vein. feels that same kind of. Uh, the, it scratches the same itch. Scratches the same sure. itch. That's a great yeah. way to say. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we were kind of heading down that road. We kind of knew with cold as you too, yeah. you know, that we were going to end up being in that direction and and uh, and have a a closer and an opener, hopefully. Yeah. And and Luke, when you say those songs scratch the same itch, are you talking about like the the big riffs behind them, or the the they're both they're both breakup songs in a way? Or, I think or, it's the feel thing, like a combination of both. You know, like the lyrical content is is similar. You know, and it's going in the same direction, but it's also that like heavy riff thing. We were going over a mix thing maybe a few weeks ago. And me and Chip talked on the phone, and we had gone through a couple different mixes of it, and I was like, man, I'm just missing those big, like, riff fills in the verses. Like, that, like, chunky thing just wasn't in there. And it was there, it just wasn't as up as I thought it needed to be to match the, like, intensity of the song, you know? You had to uh, pour some sugar on it, as it were. Yes, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. Chip does that. He's really <laughs> Chip's our sugar guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think Luke too is is looking for in those songs like it's you're you know you want to just write a fun uplifting beer drinking song. Mm. 
But Luke always kind of wants a little more than that. And I didn't, I've never thought about them both being breakup songs, but it would make yeah. sense that we're trying to find some story to go along with the thing. Yeah. To go along with the song that feels great. The, the, it's a beer drinking song, but it's like right. also like a breakup song at the same yeah. time. Up tempo yeah. negative, I think is what right. Up tempo <laughs> negative. I like that. That's a new <laughs> that's a, term. Yeah. yeah that but, is, that's, uh, if, I if, think if that's, we, I think that's how you get there, though. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But I, no, I think no, that's please. how you get there is you're, look, you're looking, he wants that other next step of uh, substance meat on the bone in the song. Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. How did you learn and develop as a songwriter? Your instinct is that you, you want that little more there. And, and 
where, where does that come from? Was there a point just as a listener when you were, even before you were writing songs, where you were just listening to music and thinking, how's that work? I like the way that line, that, I like the way that sounds. Or how things yeah. develop? Yeah, and I, th- I think what it was is, you know, I, I listened to country music when I was younger, when I was living in Charlotte and you know, on the radio with my, with my mom. That's all we listened to was country radios. I listened to Vince Gill and Brooks and Dunn and Clint Black and Garth and Alan Jackson. Like those were the guys that were on the radio when I was listening to the radio. And that's what mm-hmm. I kind of remembered, you know. And this maybe subconsciously those songs always had more of kind of a story and so once we moved to Asheville when I was eight or nine, I kind of just stopped listening to country music because mm. when you're eight or nine, you just kind of listen to what your parents listen to. And so you don't have your own musical taste when you're eight years old. You're just listening to whatever mom and dad listen to. Mm. And so my parents, my mom, my dad was never really into country music. He's from mm. Ohio and, you know, his first concert was, it was, We'd have to, I think it was The Who, and it was The Night We Landed on the Moon. Was my, That was my dad's first concert. Whoa. And so that, he kind of loves Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, The Who, The Rolling Stones, The Beatles. Like, my dad's not – he wasn't listening to Merle Haggard, you know. Like, I'd be mm-hmm. lying if I was in an interview saying, Daddy was spitting beach nut and listening to Waylon <laughs> Jennings. You know, like, he just wasn't doing that. And so I was listening to – my mom really was more of who I listened to music with because mm-hmm. as an only child, I spent the majority of time with my mother because my dad worked full time and so did my mom. But she was the one that was kind of, you know, she got home first and we rode in the car to go get school clothes. Like well, I wasn't doing that stuff with dad, you know, mm-hmm. he was mowing the yard and fixing shit at the house and stuff. So she was listening to like Tom Petty John Mellencamp, Dave Matthews, like that was the kind of stuff mom was listening to at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the Satellite album Dave Matthews was on in our house a lot. Um, and so I was just out, like, you know, not by choice because I love Vince Gill was my favorite ever when I was, mm-hmm. I mean, that was my first concert when I was six years old. That was my birthday present was to go see Vince Gill at the Charlotte Knights baseball stadium. And my grandma and my mom took me. And I mean, it was awesome, you know? And, and so I loved that stuff, but I just kind of, it just kind of fell out of my life for some Mm. reason. And Mm. so once I got back into country music, it wasn't until I was probably 18 or 19 years old. And so I had missed a decade's worth of music. So when I rediscovered it, I rediscovered it because of Eric church. He went to the same college that I went to. Right. And a friend of mine handed me his album or whatever. Little did I know that he was on tour with Jonathan Singleton. Jonathan was opening for him at, the, at that time. Uh, you know, same manager and, and stuff yeah. like that. And so I think it's really, it, I mean, really his songwriting was something that, because I went back and kind of, you know, I would hear little bits and pieces of country music through high school and stuff. And I'm like, man, that's really not for me because it's, it just didn't have that thing that I thought Brooks and Dunn had or that I thought mm. Vince Gill had. You know, like there was always something to be somewhat emotionally invested in as a listener. It was like, oh, well, this guy's like getting his heart broken or he's, you know, 
there's a story about something going on and that, that just wasn't there in those 10 years that I missed a lot. Right. You listen, you listen to a Garth Brooks, you listen to right. uh, th- the Thunder Rolls. You, you, that, that's like a whole movie. There's a whole movie right. in that yeah, song. There's yeah, there's something going on. And then so then when I heard Eric Church, it was like the missing link of like modern, my era, quote unquote, of country music mm-hmm. meeting back up with the stuff that I fell in love with. And so then when I picked the guitar up three years later, that was what I gravitated towards was Eric's stuff, which I thought, you know, and I still think is, uh, you know, on a different level than anyone else's really. And then I got into looking at, well, then I wanted to get into like who actually wrote these songs was the thing that I became obsessed with. So okay. then I became a fan of Jonathan Singleton and Casey Bethard and all these guys. And I was like, those are the guys that I want to hang out with and do stuff with, you know, like, because they're bringing something to the table, you know, they're helping, they can help me become better at something that I want to get better at that I'm trying to, to, to do better at. And that was a long process, but I think that's, you know, that's the short long version of how I got here, I guess. You know, uh, you, you were, you were just talking about your mom and, what you see, there was a dad song on what you see, even though I'm leaving. And then in these additional tracks that are on the, the deluxe version, uh, there's a, a mom song that's added without you. Yeah. And, yeah. So uh, the, the way that kind of song played out was, you know, the first verse is about my parents. Mm. Second verse is about my fiance. Mm. Third verse is about the fans. Uh-huh. So I okay. wanted it to be kind of a an ode to like the main kind of you know things that kind of keep me I guess grounded a bit and you know it's because I sometimes I I feel really guilty about being the guy that's always you know everybody wants to talk to me and everybody wants to say well, what did you do to do this and why is it you that does this and everything and like. I, you know, I, I'm very flattered by that, you know, and, and I've definitely worked hard to be where I am, but it's a definitely a massive team effort that nobody sees, you know, it's, it's Chip and Jonathan and Massey and my managers and, you know, my parents and my fiance or my wife now. And, you know, so it's, it's, there's all these people that I feel like don't get the credit, you know, the fans, if they weren't there, then they're it, it's just, none of it would work anyway. So it's, well, just, a key lyric in that in that track is uh, it's it's me they give the credit to, but if, I think I have this right. But me don't mean a thing without you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was kind of a hook that, honestly, me and I wrote that with Dan Isbell and Wyatt Durrett uh, in Boone, up in one of those Boone trips. You've been yeah. up there, and uh, we ran a little cabin up up in Boone, and sometimes we'll go up there for two weeks and just all have riders up for two weeks and okay and uh i learned that from church you told me about those kind of things that he does and it's a good way to like lock in to just riding it's better than like going oh i've got to ride in three weeks and it's just on a random tuesday like you can't really get in prepared for that you know it's like but if you know you're going to be up here for two weeks and you're going to be trying to write two songs a day for two weeks then like you kind of got to buckle up there's no and, you know, I rent this cabin. There's, like, no service almost. It does have TV. 
at yeah. least. But it's like there's not you're not playing Xbox and right. you know yeah, there's just kind of you yeah. sit out on the porch and just kind of write songs and and drink beer and stuff all day, which is really awesome. But yeah, we were writing that and we didn't have a hook. I mean, the whole song was pretty much done, mm. and I just kind of sat there and you know. I literally just came up, like pulled that hook out of that thin air pretty much. Hmm. And it was like, I mean, it wasn't like we, we were just writing those things like, oh, well, let's just talk about your parents, you know, and then let's talk about the, all the stuff they do for you. And, and so we had almost everything except the hook, which it usually never happens like that. You usually kind of write around the hook a bit. And so that was different you know, just kind of sat there for two hours, just beating my head into a wall while Dan and Wyatt probably didn't think I was doing anything. They were probably like, yeah, we're up here stuck in this cabin with this fat idiot up here writing these songs, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, but, I mean, sometimes I have something to add, you know. When Jonathan uh, doesn't have the demo done while I'm taking a shit, you know, it's... That that song is super interesting to me because... It's it's without you, you know, is what you could, the, the time, you know. Right. And how many without you songs, you know. Mm-hmm. So I can see where you would avoid that. But I yeah. loved how it was, me don't mean a thing without you. That's yeah. totally different. That hadn't been, that we hadn't heard that version of that song. Yeah. Which I thought was really, really cool. And I guess, again, Jonathan, you were talking about, you know, uh, the negative and the positive and the, those other songs we were talking about. Without You, just as a title, does sound like a song about losing someone. It does, yeah. Yeah, and it, it kind of it tricks you. It's not what you expect to hear. And Without You, I mean, it feels like the Motley Crue song or the other 18 versions. The Eric Church on Without You. Right, exactly. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, but it does, it it it. it, it Moves on it, and that's what Luke spends so much. We spend more time on that in a songwriting room on the line before the hook. If we get yeah. the hook, then we got to make the line before the hook pop. And if, and if yeah. it doesn't pop, we're really not moving until it does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, give, give me, how do you mean? Give me an example of, of, of the line before the hook and, and how it pops. It's just like I would compare it to you can't hit a home run without a good baseball swing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like the line, like that setup line to me is the, the thing that line, sells yeah. it. That's the hook can be great. You can have a great song title, but if the line before it doesn't set it up to, you know, hit it out of the park, you know, if right. you don't throw the right pitch, you're not going to hit it out of the park. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's kind of something along those lines, you know? It still feels good, but you still, Luke always wants to be like, oh man. After that, you want to say yeah, that you want after to go, yeah. Oh, dude, <laughs> yeah, we I can't did believe, that. Like, you know, right. yeah. he, he still wants that to happen, which is great. I mean, it, you're not spending a lot of time banging your head against the wall trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, that song in particular felt like it did it to me. I was like, because yeah. when I saw the title, I was like, oh, you were like, we oh, go. great, Without here we you. go, dude. Yeah. Greatest hits era, here it comes. <laughs> 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 but me don't mean a thing without you. I was like, yeah. oh, I get it. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about a song where you banged your head against the wall for two hours to come up with the hook, but you're still in a situation where you're writing a song or two a day. Yeah. Are there, are there any times where, I mean, what, what's a song that, that just lingered for weeks, if not months or years? There Is there anything that, that you, you had tr- even more trouble catching? The hardest, the longest one I've ever done was there was a song on What You See Is What You Get called... Oh, God, the title is me right now. Um, 
I had to. I wrote it with Drew Parker and Rob Williford, and it was seven. It was seven rights over two years to get it. It was. Um, is that is that is that nothing, nothing like, like you? you. Nothing, nothing like, like you. you. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And we had really loved that song, and we had kind of got the hook and had some verse stuff and. I mean, we had, yeah, it was over the course of like two and a half years, it was seven different, right, like moving lines around and then deciding we didn't like it and then bringing stuff back. And, I, you know, sometimes it's like, I mean, that's the only song I've ever had that's been even remotely close to that long. I mean, I've mm. had some that were like maybe three rights over the course of two or three months, but that one was just like, we knew we liked it a lot and we wanted it to get it right. But it, that was the point where I was getting, like, super busy with touring. And so it ended up just getting spread out over this, like, immense amount of time. Hmm. You know, because we thought the song was strong enough to, to like, you know, sacrifice that amount of time to, to do it, you know. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. One of the new tracks we haven't talked about is uh, My Kind of Folk, which is a real party track. My Kind of Folk rhymes with fire up a little smoke. Yeah. 
Um, And it it does end with some truly rocking instrumentals. Your guitarists and your organists are trading solos. Tell me about recording that one. Chip, go ahead on that one. Give give us a little. Well, Jonathan and I had kind of talked about, you know, when we were looking at all the songs and the range of the things we were going to do, that we knew that one was the one that guys were going to sling it and stretch on a little bit, even though Cold As You, we knew needed to be just burn and edge. But this was the one that we wanted the guys to step out a little bit and sling on. And um, the feel of it, the swing in it, you know, it just, it was kind of loose and groovy in a way. And um, so the guys caught on to that pretty quick. And in rundowns, we would just let them run a little bit. Sometimes when your band's going, you, you want to let them, you, you, you're kind of like working them a little bit into to, to the range that you want them to, to play in and the things you want them to do. But at the same time, you want them to feel it and run a little bit. And, mm. and, and sometimes that brings stuff to the surface that you go, okay, wait, we need that, we need that in there. And so what you hear on the outro um, on the backside of the song is when those guys sort of knew what we were already doing and what we wanted, but then we just let them go. And they came in on the backside and then it was just too many cool little things that happened in there. And that happens a lot on recording sessions where you kind of get your verses ironed out. That's where everybody has to be so regimented. And then when the, when the tape machine stops or it's in the fade and everybody loosens up, then some really cool stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So it, it made sense to just let that, let that go for a little bit and, and let them play. Yeah, no, it's a ton of fun. And, and, and so are you cutting that live at, the, at that point? Mostly. Yeah. I mean, we, we grab a rundown. We play it down several times to get, we're looking at little pieces each time. And then mm. we sort of get the whole thing pulled together where we go, okay, everybody sort of knows their roadmap and they know what we're going to do. But Jonathan and I are still trying to look at all the pieces like puzzle pieces and they all have to fit together in a way that you still need to mold them. But you're trying to get it as much of it live as you can. You're trying to get it. And you you know, you have a limited, limited amount of time, but you're still going, let's, let's do it again. And, and then you get, I don't know, 80, 85% we get yeah. maybe in there. Yeah. And then after, the, after that, we have to come back and start looking at each part and maybe trim up some things. But you try to, particularly in Nashville, where we've got such amazing players. The best yeah. players. The best man. players The best, best players in the world, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And not to, mention guy, not to mention guys who had played on Luke's earlier records, yeah. too. So, right. you know, and here we are, you know, trying to fill up slot and, and make it, you know, upgrade it and make it feel great but still make it feel like luke and and so jerry Rowe and and, and john and, and and saul saul and those guys who had played on those earlier records sometimes it was like well hey man what what should we be doing and there's nothing wrong with that we do it all the time they're great players you know yeah yeah so that's one that uh really would have uh, been a lot of fun to see you play uh in a yes. big space Talk yeah. to me a little bit. You were you had stadium shows booked. You were you're doing a, a headlining arena tour. In, in fact, if I've got this right, you were overseas and playing a little bit when we went into lockdown and you came came home right before the CDC festival. Is that right? Yeah, we so we were there. We were there for probably a week before we had, and I left. I think I left a day before the first arena show. So they've. For the because I've played C to C that I guess technically twice one time all the way through, but I was I was gonna headline this year, mm-hmm. um, and so it's like O two in in Dublin, O two in Glasgow, O two in London, 
those are the big arenas that you headline the one night. And it's three different headliners, and then we all swap cities every night. So there's three shows in a row in the same city, but it's three different headliners each night. And so we all swap out. But what they do is they've, they're trying to expand the scope of that festival. And so they added a show this year in Berlin and a show in Amsterdam. And those okay. are smaller, like two to 4,000 seat venues because they're tr- just trying to establish like a, a country music base there. Like it's such a new, they call it American music, by the way. <laughs> well, it. okay. They, they call it American music, which is pretty interesting. And and the and the headliners you would have been trading places with were Darius Rucker and Eric Church, and Eric right? Church, yeah. And so we went. Eric didn't play the two smaller shows, so he actually never came over. Uh-huh. He was like the day we had to leave was the day he was supposed to leave. And so me and him were texting back and forth, like, what's going on? Like, I'm texting him, like, don't get on the plane. You're like, you know, like, everything. Because yeah, everybody, but his people were there. His people were there. Right. He wasn't, <laughs> him and the band weren't there yet. Yeah. Okay. His guys had flown over with the gear yeah. and stuff, like, the day before or something. Um, which, you know, that's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, we were all there, and luckily we all got back. I mean, I was, I mean, I was, to be honest with you, man, I was crushed the night that we found out. I mean, I was absolutely trashed drunk the night I found out. Not like embarrassingly drunk, you know, but like fun, like having a great time because we played the two shows. We played right. Amsterdam and Berlin, and we had two days off to just kind of do whatever. And yeah. so we were, me and Nicole were at somebody's house, and we, you know, had some drinks, and I got to call it like, I mean, 1 a.m. Mm. or something that was like, Hey, and I had some big rights lined up over there the next day and ended up having to to get on a plane at like 8 or 9 in the morning and just go straight back home, dude. And then it just stopped. Everything just stopped at that point. And, and, and did you have to get on a plane right away? Because that was when they issued the travel advisory. Yes. You're recommending everybody was. come home now or you may not be able to do it? Yes. So we, uh, I got the call from management at 1 a.m. because my manager was over there. But obviously he was awake and we had seen that things were getting more. It was already kind of on the line of like, you know what, we're going. Because Old Dominion, they backed out before the thing started. Mm-hmm. And so we were all kind of like, man, what if that, like, it doesn't get canceled and they back out? Will that look bad on them, you know? And, I mean, they ended up making a good call. And, I mean, I'm glad that we went and played those shows because I had a great time, you know, and um, had still had some great experiences even though you know, the circumstances were different. But there was no meet and greets. There was no interviews or signings. Like, they were already doing preventative measures at that time because mm-hmm. it was starting to become – Oh, well, people are starting to get it in other places other than China at that time. And so then it was like, I got the call and literally I went to bed and they were like, there's going to be a car to get you at seven. Cause I was two hours outside of London hmm. at that time. Right. And so right. we had to come get a car, come get me and Nicole. And we went straight to the airport from where we were. Luckily. Straight to the airport and then uh, <clears throat> straight home and straight into quarantine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, I mean, for a lot of us, it's been weird, but for me, it's weird because I'm not seeing, you know, 10 or 20 people at the office, but you're not getting a chance to see 20,000 people 
in an arena. That 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 that's a big difference. What what does that feel like? I mean, it sucks to, to be frank. You know, I mean, this was going to be, you know, I th- I think this was going to be kind of a career defining year for me as far as touring goes, and you know, obviously it was a, a massive honor getting the entertainer nod. Uh, today, but but you know, I would have loved to have been able to be out there and and really put a stamp on it with my touring numbers and and try to try to use that to kind of petition for, you know, to make my case for maybe winning that thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of it's weird in that sense because, like you said, my first stadium show was going to be this year back where I went to college, and you know that was a huge deal to me and and in that town it's a really small town so it's a big deal for them tourism dollars wise and um so it was just you know two nights at Madison Square Garden two nights at Boston Garden i mean every show on the tour was sold out i mean i think we you know sold over half a million tickets or something i mean it's it's like insane you know the mm-hmm. amount of people that were not getting to play for this year you know and so and obviously we were hoping to use that success from this year to, you know, transition into potentially, uh, you know, Garth level shows next, you know, next year was kind of the hope. So now that's just kind of all been paused, I think, you know. Sure. Cause if you're going to mount that big a production, <clears throat> you've got to start thinking right. uh, well it's in advance years. if you're going to go into yeah. stadiums. Yeah. It's two years to, to plan that. It's not just like, you know what, let's do that next month. You know, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's a year, year and a half of planning and the production and you know, gathering the, the trucks and the buses and, and adding the staff. And, you know, so it's and that's all stuff that I I guess I don't have to be involved in, but I'm like pretty heavily involved in like making sure that all that stuff happens. You know, I like to I'm not a control freak because I'm not the guy that necessarily knows what should or shouldn't happen. But I do like to know what's going on and, and be involved in those decisions. So. It's not like I'm just going, let's do stadiums, call me when we're going. <laughs> like, I'm not that guy either, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, you, you do more than uh, wait for the, wait for the uh, car to pick you up. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, you, you mentioned uh, your managers a couple of times. I, I, I had the, the, the uh, uh, pleasure of speaking with uh, Lynn, Lynn Oliver Klein and Chris Cappy, uh, your managers, uh, for Billboard. And I, I remember something, people always talk about how quickly things happened for you, but I remembered something that Cappy told me and I, I went and looked it up. He was talking about how the, when he first joined up with you, that you guys were in a van, not even a trailer. It was an extended 15 passenger van. We yeah. had the last two rows pulled out for the gear and we toured in that for five months. So, and he was driving. Yes, he was driving. Yeah. So that's six guys and their gear stuffed together in a van for, for five months. That that sounds like some pretty hard work. Yeah, it was. And we were playing about four shows a four shows a week then at that time. And you know, me and Cappy might as well be two guys a pop at that time. I mean, he's <laughs> he's recently dropped about 150 bills. Um, but you know, me and him were riding shotgun just out of necessity, really, at that point. Um so he was driving, I mean, and he drove, it wasn't like, oh, we'll trade off. Like that guy drove every mile for six yeah. months. And I mean, four nights away, I mean, he quit a, you know, six-figure job and blew through his entire life savings 
to come here and drive a shitty old van with some kid in it and a couple guys he met at the tin roof and you go play shows, you know? I mean, like, so that level of dedication to me is like what sold me, you know, on Cappy as a manager. Like, I, you know, you don't, you can't question the guy's commitment at that point. You know what I mean? But, but you have this effect on people because if I remember right, Cappy told me that he saw you play a show and then almost immediately started pitching you on, on being your manager. And, and yeah. Jonathan, do I remember right that you also, you saw Luke at a songwriting yeah, at night the tin roof. At, on, on a the Tuesday? At the Tin Roof. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was on a Tuesday, the Tin Roof Revival that Rob and Channing and those guys put on. And me and Randy Montana were standing in the back drinking a beer. I think it was the, 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 what, the anniversary, anniversary thing, thing or something. That they yeah, did. yeah. And so we always like the old guys were like, hey man, we'll play the, the anniversary. Just put us on at like eight o'clock, you know, so we can go home early. And so we had played and we got done. We're standing at the bar drinking beer right before we walk out the door and, and we hear this guy start singing and we kind of jog back, you know, <laughs> to the back. <laughs> Just sitting there playing, and yeah, we're, so I was Google searching him in the because we were the only ones that didn't know. Like the people in town, like the people who were in the business who were there, were the people who didn't know who he was. Everybody else was there to see him, and we're singing all the songs, and we were like, "Who?" What the it was like fuck fans. Everyone right? else was like They're fans, fans. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So all the silly uh, music row people were standing there trying to figure out how they could. Uh, how they could talk to this guy, and, and I figured it out real quick. It was turkey hunting and deer hunting. And, <laughs> and, uh, it went pretty well after that. It was, I, I remember when I, so Jonathan, I've probably told him this story before, but so me and Rob, my one of the guys in my band, Wilford, who I, I write with and stuff, we were like, we're like still, you know, super Jonathan Singleton fans, you know, like, we're listening to the Grove, like we're in deep. We're in the wormhole of Jonathan Singleton, you know. And so the year before that, like one year to the day, it was the anniversary before that. Me and Rob went to oh, watch right. you play yeah, 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 at this yeah. thing, and you were at the bar getting a beer, and we were just kind of sitting there, like no one was around you. And I we, roll that way, and most we were of just kind of like, <laughs> we were just kind of looking over at him, like, dude, that's. That's him, you know, kind of thing. Like, that's the guy, <laughs> you know? And we just went over there, and we're like, Jonathan Singleton? And he was like, yeah, man, yeah. And we're like, dude, you're great, you know? Like, you're great. And like, he was like, cool, man, yeah, you know? It's nice to meet you guys, you know, kind of thing, you know? And um, I remember the, the, you know, the year later when you saw me and stuff, you, I guess, got in touch with Channing. Yeah. To get a right with me, yeah. and I was like so excited about that. <clears throat> and I had, I had been driving my 2000 Dodge Neon, which I'd had since I was 16 at that time, and I yeah. just bought a used Ford Fusion. Fusion, I always call it a probe. It's a Fusion, yeah. <laughs> a used Ford Fusion, which I thought was like a, you know, <laughs> the sickest car ever, dude, at that time, you know? And it was for me at that time. And so it was my first car that had the little car phone in it where you could answer a call and it was right, like in right, the speakers. Right. And so I was big time, dude, at that time. <laughs> and so it was a couple months out, you know, and, and so the day before the right, I hadn't communicated with Singleton at all. I just knew, like, hopefully this right's still happening because it's tomorrow, you know. 
And Channing's like, yeah, we're good. I'm driving down. It was me and you and Channing riding, right? Yeah, it was the three of us. So the day before, I'm driving into my ride or whatever, and I get a call on my car phone thing, (laughs) which I'm already excited to answer because I just have a car phone. So I'm like, hit the call button, you know. And It was Jonathan, and he was just like mega casual. He's like, hey, man, uh, you know, pumped to ride. So like, what's your deal? And I, but I was kind of like, like, do you want to fight? Like, does that mean, like, what's your deal? Like, did I do something wrong? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, like, your publishing deal. You know, like, what's your thing? And I was like, oh, I just don't, I don't have a publishing deal. And he was like, well, do you want one? And I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, cool. We'll just do one and we'll just, I'll see you tomorrow. And I was like, all right, well, cool. And then that was just kind of what happened, kind of. It was very casual and happened real fast after that. Yeah. It was, actually, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, it, it, that, was, that was a good deal to make for everyone. Yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's gone well. So, um, of course, Six Feet Apart talks about what you're looking forward to when all of this is over. Yeah. And uh, uh, just in terms of getting back out and playing live— um, Talk, talk to me a little about that. Have you thought about the first show you're, you're going to play when you can play? I mean, I think, you know, r- right now there is no plan. I mean, mm. the, I mean the, the hope is that we can do the shows that we left last year is literally where we'll pick up. Mm. So the hope, the tentative plan as of this very second is that we will do those headlining shows at C to C next year. That's so in, the plan at this exact moment. Right. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But I hope that that happens, obviously. And maybe it will, maybe it won't. But as of now, that's the plan. And, I'm, you know, I'm pretty stoked about that. Because, I, you know, I left a bad taste in my mouth not getting to play for those people. And they were – those people only get a country show – once a year and that's kind of that week you know it's there's not a lot of acts doing headlining going to europe and playing club shows you know right you just can't afford to do that so um you know there's definitely a huge base for it over there that's that's heavily underserved and so you know i'd love for that to be the first show back well i mean uh fingers crossed i mean we're all hoping that 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 we're out of this by then and uh and we're all looking forward to seeing some of this music uh live Luke, thank you for being here. Thank you, uh, thank you for joining us. Of course, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Inside the Studio is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Thank <laughs> you.
Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.